Good evening. Please stand for 180, 180, standing on the promises, 180. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing on the promises of God, too. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, standing on the promises, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing on the promises, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises I cannot fall Listening every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Let's go ahead and take your prayer requests or praises at this time. Any prayer requests or praises? All right. Be praying for all those who are sick. Still a lot of sickness and everything going around. Praying for Beulah. I went over and visited her yesterday. She's been pretty sick. Hopefully she'll be back uh, in church pretty soon. All right. Anyone else? All right. Well, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer at this time. So, dear Lord, we are thankful to be back in your house, Lord. We're thankful for the nicer weather we've been having. And, Lord, we just uh, we're thankful to be here to be able to get around your people and around your word. And pray everyone uh, will be edified tonight from being in your house. And I pray that we'll all get something from the scriptures that will help us be better Christians. We just pray to be with all those who are sick and uh, dealing with colds and things, pray help them to get better real soon. Pray I'll be with Beulah, help her to get feeling better, and also for uh, James and his colic, you pray just be with him. And uh, Lord, we just uh, pray you'll uh, bless the souling efforts this weekend, and just pray you'll continue to help us uh, reach many people for you and make a difference in this community. In your name, we pray. Amen. Just a couple announcements. Don't forget this uh, coming Sunday, we're going to be having Pastor Tom Gibson preaching during the evening service looking forward to that 
And then um, also next Wednesday, um, we will be observing the Lord's Supper. So uh, don't forget about that. And then Easter Sunday, April 17th. And we'll be doing pictures like we always do. You don't have to get your picture taken. I, we'll, we might try doing a group photo. Uh, I think we, is that Easter when we normally do that? Is that anniversary Sunday? I don't know when we normally do that. As the anniversary Sunday, maybe we should do it Easter anyway, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But either way, we'll be doing family pictures again, and then um, we'll be having soul winning in the suburbs April 30th, and then uh, this Saturday for soul winning. Uh, is the plan as right now, uh, we'll be leaving from here at 11, and I'm hoping. Hope I, I think we're supposed to have decent weather finally. The Saturday has been killing us. Lately, thank the Lord. I, I do want to say I'm thankful. Saturday, when we went to Chicago, though, we did not get rained on, so that was a blessing because there was a lot of rain in the forecast, and it was raining on the way there. It was raining when we left, but it did not rain while we we're there, and so that was a huge blessing. But um, uh, there's, uh, we've never knocked any doors in Mount Morris, and um, there's, uh, looks like it'd be a good town to hit. So. I'm wanting to knock that one out this year, so we'll probably start on that this Saturday if you want to uh, meet here at 11, but I believe that's all the announcements that I wanted to mention, so let's go ahead and have another song. 206 is the next hymn, 206, He Leadeth Me, 206, 206.
Bible reading this evening will be in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, if you'd like to follow along, begin reading verse 1. The Bible reads, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, Neither is the respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts." Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. All right, so Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be finishing up this book tonight. And um, I'm very thankful for the messages that were preached Sunday because as we've been you know, going through the entire chapter, one chapter a week, um, you know, we haven't been able to give spend a whole lot of time just really getting into the practical application of these things. But Sunday, uh, Pastor First, he got real practical with chapter 5 and then Sunday night with chapter 6. So I feel like um, helped us get what we were supposed to, you know, more of what we're supposed to get out of this book. So that was a blessing. And um, there's a lot that I want to cover in this. And um, this 
chapter is probably going to kick off another series. I'm probably going to be getting away from going chapter by chapter for a little while just because, uh, well, next week we'll be talking about the crucifixion uh, while we're observing the Lord's Supper. But then, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it on Wednesdays or Sunday nights. I'm real anxious to do it, so I think I'm going to start on Wednesdays because the Sunday nights I'm not going to be preaching for the next few weeks. But uh, I'll probably say more about the series I'm going to get into that I think is very important, something we really need to uh, take into consideration, I think get focused on, and I think we'll be kind of introduced to it in this chapter because this is another chapter that we could literally spend weeks on because there's so much in here. And so we're just going to kind of... Uh, you know, hit the highlights and, you know, touch on things briefly. But over the next weeks, I would like to, you know, get a little more detailed on some of this stuff. So basically what we have going on for just a little bit of review, Paul is continuing to lay out just the most basic and simple instructions that there is on what it means to be a Christian. Chapters 1 through 3, he's pretty much just describing salvation. He's going pretty deep into all that was done for us. Through Christ, 100% of the glory and the credit for our salvation, it goes to Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. The first half of this letter tells us that. But then, starting in chapter 4, he's explaining how we can walk worthy of the vocation that we've been called it. You're saved. Here's some things that you should do. Okay? You should act like a Christian. And if you're not doing these things, you are not acting like a Christian. You're a bad Christian. Yeah, you're still saved. You're still going to go to heaven, but you're a bad Christian if you're not doing these things. And all of us ought to take these things very serious. And uh, we ought to judge ourselves as a church. And if people uh, get too far out of line in these areas, sometimes you got to bust heads. Sometimes you got to uh, deal with things. None of these things that are mentioned in here are negotiable. These are non-negotiable. And these are also things we should not be ashamed of. But yet, look how many people are ashamed of what we see in chapter 5 about wives submitting to their husbands. That is very politically incorrect. You're not supposed to talk about that stuff these days. But folks, these are non-negotiables. Not only are we going to talk about them, but we're not going to be ashamed of it. We're not going to be embarrassed. We're not going to care that people are going to make clips out of these things. Look at this preacher selling wives they should submit to their husbands. You know what? Share away. Let the world see. Somebody's saying it. We're not, we're not ashamed of these things. We don't apologize. And it's sad how many things pastors practically apologize for that the Bible teaches. Even when guys get up and preach it, it's like they think it'll make it seem better if they say it, you know, apologetically. Or, you know, or whenever I hear just a lot of these wimpy, limp-wristed preacher types, it's like they start talking even more gay when they get on controversial things. Like that makes them less threatening and... You know, it's make, make it easier for people to handle. You know what? Get up there with a deep voice and just say it. I mean, it's, we've got the Bible backing us up on this stuff. So why are we, you know, embarrassed by this? But, you know, we are, we're, we're living in a day where people are calling evil good and good evil. But you know what? The title of the message tonight is Standing in the Evil Day. Okay? These things that he's going to call us to do, we're supposed to not just do these things when everything's good. We're supposed to do it in the evil day. In a day where it means things are going to work against us. Where it's going to cause problems. Where it's going to create challenges. We're supposed to stand not just in the good day, but in the evil day. And folks, we're in the evil day. There's no doubt about it. When churches like ours are getting harassed for preaching this kind of stuff, it's because we're in the evil day. But that's when we got to stand. 
That's when we got to fight. You know, it was easy to do it a hundred years ago when everybody was doing it. But you know what? We're in the evil day now, and these things matter just as much. And so you know what? If I go to battle with somebody, if I go to physical battle with somebody, that's not the time for me to stand there looking wimpy and non-threatening. It's time to stand strong and make yourself look big, right? But what do these guys do whenever they got to preach this stuff? You know, they you know they shrivel up and then they say these things in the most wimpy, soft, effeminate voice possible. Hey, we're in the evil day. Okay, it's time to get big. It's time to get loud and let her rip. That's the way. You're, that's the way we're supposed to be doing it. We don't need to sugarcoat this stuff. Okay, but we need to proclaim it boldly. So let's go to verse one and. You know, and I know I should be getting some amens from the parents here, but it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, this couldn't be any more plain and simple, yet, look at how bad things are in this country. And you want to know one of the reasons things are so bad in this country? It's because of a violation of this verse right here. There's, I mean, folks, do we agree we're living in a Romans 1 day in this country? Okay. And what does Romans 1 say? In verse 29 says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Notice, I mean, we have this long list of horrible things and disobedience to parents is thrown in there. And this is one of the reasons that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. When you have a society where the children are disobedient to the parents, we've got a big problem. We've got, we've got a real problem here. And it says in 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Okay, peril. We all know what peril means. That's a bad situation. And when you are living in perilous, when you're living in perilous times, one of the things that's going to be going on, it says, men should be lovers of their own selves. I think we got a lot of evidence of that in the social media generation we're living in. People love themselves more than ever. Covetous. Social media generations got everybody coveting what everybody else has, making ungrateful for what they have. Boasters. Nobody boasts on social media, do they? Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. So notice that disobedience to parents, that is the signs of a perilous time. So we're living in this age. We are living in perilous times. We are living in a Romans 1 age. But here's my question. How did we get here? How did we get here where kids disobeying the parents is just the norm? How did we get to that place? Well, I'm not going to preach a message about Hollywood tonight, but let me just point out a few things about Hollywood, Okay. So let's just for a minute go back to the good old days of wholesome television, like Leave it to Beaver. All right? Leave, leave it to Beaver, okay? I Love Lucy. Okay? These are the good things, right? I believe it was, um, I probably will get the preachers wrong. I think it was Don Green who he used to preach against television all the time. And just, or maybe, I'm going to get the preachers' names wrong. But there was an old preacher who was known for preaching against everything. He was just preaching against television like crazy and one big name preacher was sitting on the platform during that whole thing and leaned over to the other preacher and just said i don't care what he says i still like i love lucy okay. all right i mean who wants to confess 
You got, we got any I Love Lucy or Leave the Beaver fans in here? All right. I see a bunch of hands all over the place, and mine's up too. Okay. Well, but let, let me just, I'm, I'm not trying to be crazy picky or anything, but what was most of I Love Lucy and Leave the Beaver all about? It was Lucy not listening to her husband. And it was hilarious, wasn't it? It was Beaver not listening to his parents. I mean, it was literally, we are entertained. We had a whole generation of people entertained. When I Love Lucy came out, I saw a thing about this one time. That show was so popular, places were, would close. You know, different you know, establishments would close during the time I Love Lucy was on, and they would put signs up that would said, We Love Lucy too. That's how famous that show was. And it wasn't like today where you can go back and stream it later or record it. You had to be there in front of the television and people were in front of the television when I Love Lucy was on. An entire generation of people were entertained watching a woman not submit to her husband, disobey her husband. And, and, and I grew up watching all these things, watching Leave it to Beaver, and it was stinking hilarious. But folks, Hollywood has always portrayed these things that are bad it's funny at first, just like cross-dressing. They used to be funny. You know, the Three Stooges would do it. You know, you'd have all these different people. They would do the cross-dressing. Even as late as shows like MASH, you had the one you know, funny, crazy guy who didn't want to be in the military, and he would wear dresses and stuff, you know, wanting to get kicked out and things. Oh, that was all so funny. It used to be that the gay guy on the show, he was kind of the funny guy. It was always, they always portray these things as funny, but then, eventually, it just becomes normal. You know, eventually, there's something wrong with you if you have a problem with it. And what was, what was on Leave it to Beaver, too? Half the time after, after Beaver would get busted for something, and he's talking to his dad, his dad was like, well, you know, Beaver, it was my fault. You know, if I'd have been a better dad, if I'd have done this, you know. No, Beaver needed spanked. I don't think he ever got spanked in one episode. They always talked about dad hitting him and stuff, but I don't think he ever did. <laughs> and... You know, it, but this is what Hollywood has always done. It starts out funny and then it just becomes normal. And folks, I, I said, I'm not trying to sound like a Pharisee up here. I'm not trying to ruin anybody's fun. Okay. Nobody enjoys a good episode of Leave it to Beaver more than I do. But we are being entertained by something very bad, disobedient to parents that we see is explained as perilous times when that kind of thing is going on. And it promotes a Romans 1 world. And look, we're there. These things didn't happen overnight. And I said, you know, this is what real hard preaching is, folks. Not just preaching against the Sodomites. We love that. Beaver. All right? You know, you know the, the things that we love. You know, this, is, this is the hard stuff, all right? This is, this is real hard preaching. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but we do need to recognize what's, what's happened and what's being done. We're, we're slowly introduced to all these things. It's portrayed as funny, and then it's normal. And then again, there, there's something wrong with you if you've got a problem with it. But uh, I just say all this to say Ephesians 6.1 is a much more important verse than people realize. It's a very, very important thing. Verse 2 says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And notice how Paul, he uses one of the Ten Commandments. He didn't throw it out. 
he explained it as truth as if nothing had changed in Exodus 20. He just quoted the commandment like that you're supposed to follow this. Okay. Now, let me give you a quick bonus point, too, because whenever we do, whenever we bring up the Ten Commandments as though nothing has changed, what do people do? They want to throw them all out, you know, because of remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, or they don't want you judging them based on the Ten Commandments because we don't follow remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, but let me just give you something real quick that I think is important that we cover because I do believe in the Ten Commandments. But if you want to take notes on this, you may need this one of these days. But Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, part of the law says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shall ye hearken. We have a clear command in the same law where we got the Ten Commandments that said, when this prophet comes, you do what he says. And we know that was Jesus from the book of Acts. Peter tells us that crystal clear. We also see in Luke 6, 5, when the Pharisees were going after Jesus for, you know, picking corn on the Sabbath day, Jesus said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Y'all understand that? Jesus is Lord over the Sabbath. Jesus is the Word of God. Okay? So if He, you know, if, if there's a conflict between the two, and there was no conflict really, but if there is, you know, you listen to Jesus Christ. He's Lord of the Sabbath. But look at what it says in John 5 16. It says, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Okay? Jesus, he had every right to work on the Sabbath. You know why? Because he was Lord of the Sabbath. He's able to do that. Now, turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into his rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it rain, remaineth, that some must enter therein, and they whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited the certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, voice, harden not your hearts, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Hebrews 4 is making it very clear here that as believers, we've already entered into his rest. Okay? So, ceremonially, there is no purpose in us observing the Sabbath day. There is no, there is no purpose in that. That is something that was completed. That was something that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is our Sabbath. We have entered into His rest. We are, And at the same time too, 
he has given us work to do as Christians. And so while on this earth, physically speaking, we are working, okay? You know, part of you going to church, that's a good work, isn't it? Part of you, you know, reading your Bible, praying, all these things we do, these are all works, but spiritually, as we do these things, we are at rest, aren't we? And so since spiritually we are at rest, there is there really is no purpose for us doing some kind of ceremonial rest, observance of rest, because that's already come. Just like they used to have a ceremonial observance of a sacrificial lamb and of a Passover, they used to do that until the true Passover came, Jesus Christ. Once that happened, they quit doing that. They finished that. Once the things came that those things symbolized, they quit doing them. And what the Sabbath day represented, it has come. It has been fulfilled. And so for us to have that ceremonial observance makes no sense. Now, you know what does make sense? For us to stop killing people, to continue not killing people. For us to continue not stealing and committing adultery and coveting and all these, all those other things. So it's very important that we, that we understand that, okay? And so I, I still believe in all the Ten Commandments. And I, I just believe, though, that today, under the New Covenant, according to the Lord of the Sabbath, the one that Moses told us to listen to, that the way we observe the Sabbath day is by entering into His rest through belief. So when you, you get saved, you know what you need to do? You know, or when you get saved, you know, you fulfilled the Sabbath. So what if you're not saved? Then I recommend you keep the Sabbath and every single law. All of them. Not just the Sabbath. You've got to keep all of them. So uh, just a little side note there about the Sabbath. But verse 4 says, And ye fathers, or well, well, let me back in verse 3, Notice too how I said that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. This commandment, he said it was the first commandment with promise. God will lengthen your days if you do this thing. You're going to live long on the earth. And not only did he, when he said that, okay, this isn't just about long life for the individual, even though I do believe God may extend your days as an individual if you honor your parents. But you know, there's people who have honored their parents that still died young. But you know, we could say, well, they've died even younger. Have they not done that? But ultimately, you got to understand too, when God would say these things, he's saying this to a nation that is come out of captivity, that's in the wilderness and about to go into a land. And you know what they want to do as a nation? They want to survive. They want to continue as a nation. And God is telling this nation, if you will honor your parents, your days will be long on the land. You will continue as a nation. But if you're going to be a nation that does not honor your parents, your days are going to be short. And let me tell you something. The culture, the nation, the society that does not honor their parents is one that's going to be destroyed. It's one that's going to fall apart. You can just mark that down. And you know what? If we ever get to the point in our country where we're not taking care of our parents, where we're not taking care of the elderly, where we're dropping them off at the river when we get tired of taking care of them and just letting them die, when we start euthanizing them and things like that, you better believe our days will be numbered as a nation when that comes. And I believe even today that we will do better as a nation. We will survive longer. You know what? Maybe places like Ukraine would have done better if they were honoring their parents more. I don't know what's going on in their society you know, there, but you know what? With all the issues they've got over there, I'll bet they don't. You know, and I'm telling you, these are the kind of things that will bring a blessing on a nation 
honoring their parents. And you know what? I believe as a church, if we want to survive as a church, we need to have people in the church who honor their parents. Not just the kids in this church honoring mom and dad, which is important too, but you know what? The parents in this church, you ought to honor your parents that you have. You ought to have respect for them. God's not going to bless a people who doesn't honor their parents. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And you know what? We don't, I mean, if, if you're, even if your parents are unsaved, you should still give them honor because of who they are. You don't have to agree with everything they do. You don't have to follow their religion. You don't have to go attend their Catholic Mass. But you can be respectful to them. You can still, uh, you know, you, you can still show them just the respect that I believe all parents deserve. And so, uh, verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So just like children have a part to play, so do the fathers. And we need to set our children up for success and give them what they need to succeed. And I think that's very important. A lot of parents, they make it very difficult for children to do the right thing. And folks, it's the right thing for children to obey their parents. Let's not make it difficult. Let's not, let's not ask our children to do things that they shouldn't be doing. You know, and there's some things that, you know, you know, I believe children ought to be in church. But you know what? If mom and dad say you guys can't go to church, what are kids supposed to do? You know, and you know what? You're, just do, you're, you're hurting them by doing that. They need to be around the house of God. They need to be around the things of God. You know, we ought to make it easy for them to do this. I preached a sermon a long time ago uh, about Joseph and Mary. I mean, because think about it. Jesus... Part of him being the Messiah, he's got to keep the law. Well, you know what? That wouldn't work in just any household. Because you know what? Part of him keeping the law was getting circumcised on the eighth day. As a baby, he doesn't have the choice to do that. His parents had to make sure that happened. His parents had to bring that offering of the two turtle doves. His parents set him up for success so he could do what he needed to do to be the Messiah. And let me tell you, there's a lot of kids, and you know what? Thank God for them who do the right thing even when they're in tough homes. But a lot of kids are being set up for failure because parents are not doing their part. And you know what, kid? kids? Always do your part. Always listen to your parents. But what parents? Mom and dad, let's try to make it easy for them. Let's try to make it as easy as possible. Verse 5 says, Servants, I don't like this passage here, but servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. We've got to listen to our bosses. Not with eye services, men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with all with good goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. We need to be obedient to our bosses. And, and we we should be obedient unless they ask us to do something that violates God's word. Them asking you to come and telling you to come in an hour early is not violating God's word. Or work a little bit of overtime or something like that. That's not violating God's word. And I say, well, what if my boss is unsaved? Then I don't have to. Yes, you do. Oh, well, my, well, well what if he's a reprobate? And you know, and here's the bad thing about disclaimers like that. If all of a sudden I say, well, if your boss is a reprobate, you don't have to listen to him. Guess who? A whole bunch of bosses just became reprobates. You know, it's like when you tell people, oh, it's okay to get divorced as long as your spouse is a reprobate. Magically, they all become, all, everybody's spouse they don't like becomes a reprobate. Isn't it interesting how that stuff works? You know, and I've had to tell my wife before, you know, when it comes to certain, you know, because there are, there's extreme situations, there's exceptions and things. And I've just, I've told her, she's asked me about stuff too, that she's been talking about for Gently Led Sisters. And I've just told her, don't mention that on the show. 
you explain that rare, rare, rare exception, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of women are going to declare themselves in that position. And most of them just aren't. And so just don't even, don't even put it out there. It just don't even put it out there. Some of these things are so rare, they're almost not worth mentioning. You know, it's like when people want to, you know, throw out the simplicity of salvation, you know, and are like, you know, what if somebody gets saved and, you know, flies airplanes into the Twin Towers saying Allahu Akbar? Okay, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, and when that situation happens, you know, we'll have a conversation about that. But until then, uh, I just, I'd rather not even talk about that. You know, there's, there's such thing as foolish questions that are to be avoided. And so, uh, and, and I, you know, I get a lot of them thrown at me. My wife gets a lot thrown at her from the online world. And sometimes you just, you just don't answer some things. But 1 Peter 2.18 says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Froward means crooked. What in the world? For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief Suffering wrongfully. Now, let me explain this to you, okay? This is important to understand it because forward does. It, it means somebody who's crooked. Okay? And listen, we shouldn't do anything crooked, but we should do whatever we are supposed to do and do it honestly. And I, so, and I believe here when he tells them to obey the forward, you got to understand back then, a lot of people were in a situation where they literally had no choice, where they were often slaves. You know, they were not free. Okay? They were not Americans. Okay? They, were, they, were not freed. they were not free. And so, they just didn't have a choice. Now, thankfully today, for us in America, if you work for a crook, you could probably find a job with an honest person. Okay? No, nobody's making you, anybody in here, work the job that they're working today. You, nobody in here is owned by anybody except for the bankers, all right, you know, and, and our government. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you know, you know, Walmart doesn't own any of us, you know, any of the places. So chances are, if you're working for a crook, you could probably do something else. And so, again, there are, and there are special circumstances for things in the Bible. But again, whenever you mention the special circumstances, everybody has special circumstances. I, it's, it's amazing the way that works. And so... Um, you know, it's like, like too, you know, another thing, like when you tell people, like I said, I believe people ought to go to church and people always want to prove to me they're the exception for why they don't need to go to church. And I've, you know, I've heard people say, you know, if you have a church within a hundred miles of you, that's got a saved pastor, you should be in church. Well, if you tell them that every pastor within a hundred miles just lost their salvation. They're going to find some place where they said the word repentance wrong and they lost their salvation immediately because they believe that the guys, you know, the, you know, flew the airplanes would still be saved, you know, or they don't believe they'd be saved and therefore they believe repent of sins and they're an unsaved heretic, okay? Listen, people do what they want to do. People who don't want to go to church find a reason to not go to church. And it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I've got, it's, it's amazing how self-serving people are with the Bible. You know, I got somebody, you know, coming after me because I basically don't believe in sinless perfection and I don't. And they want to bring up if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. 
And that's about not forsaking the assembly. And the same person has forsaken the assembly. And yet they're hit, you're going to hit me with that verse when you've literally forsaken the assembly. But you know what? They've, they found a loophole for why they don't go to church either. They're, just, they're, they're too good for everybody. Absolutely insane. So you know, a lot of nut jobs out there. But verse 8, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And notice that too, that bond or free. Because again, some people, they have masters and they are bad ones and they're stuck. They're not free. I think if you're free, um, you probably shouldn't be working for a crooked person or a forward person. Just find another job. But, uh, but right here it's saying, um, you know, we're looking to be rewarded by God and not by man. And so that's, we always need to remember, and that's hard to do sometimes. That takes a lot of faith. If you treat your boss, if you obey him like you would Jesus Christ, you know, if Jesus Christ said jump, we'd say how high. But we don't always do that with our boss. You know why? Because we don't like him. We don't like his personality. And, and I, I get it. Listen, stand in the evil day. It's hard to do the right thing sometimes, but you got, you got to do it all the time. So verse 9 says, And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. You know what? If you're an employer, you should take care of your employees. You should treat them well. You should be good to them. You shouldn't become a boss just so you could crack the whip and make people miserable like your boss made you. No, you ought to treat them good. You ought to treat them the way you would want to be treated. And so all these things here mentioned, everything that's been mentioned in the previous chapters, these are very basic earthly instructions that really anyone should be able to follow. But there's always going to be challenges to doing these things. Sometimes these things are going to be easy. Children, sometimes it's going to be easy obeying your parents. Wives, sometimes it's going to be easy obeying your husbands. Husbands, sometimes it's going to be easy loving your wives. But you know what? Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. And you know what? When it's difficult, it's still right. Sometimes it's easy to go to church. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy to go soul winning. Sometimes it's hard. You know, but at the same time, right is right all the time. In the good day, but also in the evil day. And so we've got to understand there's always going to be challenges. And in order to fully succeed, we need to understand this is not just an earthly, physical thing that we're doing. And, and, and you know, righteousness in these areas they cannot be made through laws made by men or some earthly constitution. Because okay? ultimately, what everything comes down to that we've been discussing here, it's a spiritual battle, folks. Doing right is a spiritual battle. And this is what I'm wanting to talk about in the next week. I, I think we often forget about the spiritual nature of things. I, we all affirm that there is the spiritual. We all recognize that. Okay, We all believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the devil. We believe in a spiritual world. We believe in demonic influence. We, we believe in all this stuff. But I'm afraid we often forget about it. And we focus a little bit too much on the physical. We focus too much on the flesh and blood that is around us. And when we, and when we do that, the problem is we're going to be looking for physical solutions for everything, but that's not the solution many times. Often, when we're, if you're having a people problem, our focus is on the people. 
Well, if your focus is on the people, on the flesh and blood, you're going to be thinking flesh and blood solutions, which usually involves a fist fight or something like that, right? But the truth is, most of these problems that we're having are spiritual. But because we can't see the spiritual, because these things are invisible, you know, we forget that they exist. We forget that these are real things and a real battle. And I believe the Bible explains the, even the spiritual. When it, when it explains the spiritual, it always puts it in earthly terms. Why? Because that's all we're capable of understanding. But at the end of the day, we really don't know what it looks like in the spiritual world, do we? We don't know. I, I don't know. I, I can see who all is in here physically. But you know what? What I can't see is who's in here spiritually. I think there's probably angels in here, but I also think there's probably some demons in here too. I can't, I can't physically see that, but I'm pretty sure they're here. Now, sit there in your mind and imagine what that would look like. Now, whatever you're imagining in your mind, okay? Like right now, there's probably a demon sitting right there by Kyle trying to get him distracted, okay? Now, you picture in your mind, you know, he's sitting there whispering things. Hey, remember that show we watched last night? That was way more interesting than the sermon, you know? And, you know, he's like, yeah, it was. You know what? I, I, I can't wait to get back home and watch that again or watch a sequel or something like that. Okay, now... We could blame the movie, the physical thing, or we could say there's something spiritual going on too, you know, where there's a demon trying to distract him from the message of the Bible. Okay? Now, I don't think it's wrong to picture something like that in your mind. Okay? And, and, and what, what Kyle needs to do, when he recognizes that demon sitting next to him, he needs to get a sword and stab it. Okay? Now, how do you do that? He needs to use, use the Bible. He needs you in his mind. He needs to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Something like that. Why? Because that's a real spiritual thing that's going on. And again, you know, I pick, you know, we picture in our mind Kyle taking a sword and stabbing a demon. That's pretty awesome, right? Now, literally, is he doing that? No. Okay? But figuratively, spiritually, he is, and God explains all these things to us in these ways so we can understand them for a reason. And I, I think we need to do a better job of paying attention to this stuff and thinking about these things in this way. Because then, maybe we can start getting mad and starting thinking evil thoughts towards the proper people. And instead of thinking evil thoughts towards each other, we can start thinking evil thoughts towards the devil and fighting with him rather than fighting with each other. But... We forget about the spiritual. And that's what I'm going to want to talk about in the next weeks. But let's talk about this a little bit right now. Because in verse 10, notice what he says. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. And folks, we've just got to get this in our head. It's not flesh and blood. But yet, who do we get triggered by? Flesh and blood. You know, you see somebody, you get triggered by them. You know why? You're too earthly minded. You know what? When you have a problem with somebody, you need to understand, I've got a spiritual thing going on. I've got a spiritual battle I need to fight right now. And I'm not going to fight that battle by going and fighting with this person and fighting flesh and blood. You know what I'm going to have to do? 
I'm going to have to get ready. I'm going to have to gear up for spiritual battle. Now, how do we do that? Physically, we can't put anything on. You know, physically, we can't take the, you know, we don't have something we can take and actually wear. But let me tell you something. If it would help, if it would help get you in the right mindset, I almost think it wouldn't be wrong if it wouldn't make you look like a freak for you to actually go and get some actual armor and say, you know what? I've been doing a lot of sin lately. I've been allowing all kinds of junk in my life that I shouldn't let in my life. And I've been commanded as a Christian to put on a breastplate of righteousness. And you know what some of y'all need to do? Y'all need to get a breastplate and put it on you and go around wearing it. And when people are asking you, why are you wearing that stupid looking breastplate? To remind me not to sin. You know, and if you did, if you, I mean, if you were wearing a breastplate of righteousness and it said that on there, would you be comfortable going into the adult bookstore wearing something like that? Would you be comfortable wearing that breastplate of righteousness and going down the liquor aisle at Walmart and buying beer and going and checking out at the cash register with that? No, you wouldn't. But you know, the truth is, if spiritually in your mind you would do that, you wouldn't do those things either. But some of you are so earthly minded, that, that might be what it takes for you. Some of you need to go get a helmet and put it on. And, and I mean, Folks, whatever it takes, the stuff's important. And I hope nobody literally does that, cause, but I, I think it would be you know, worth it if, it if it it would get you to do the right thing. But we do have dark forces working against us and the stuff you're seeing on the television, the stuff you're seeing on the internet, these things are intended to have a spiritual impact and it's working. Okay? And what we saw all over the world in the last two years, you know what that was? That was a spiritual battle. What they've been doing, folks, it has been meant to take us down spiritually. And it has worked. It has worked the spiritual impact of the last couple of years and all the nonsense that has taken place. It has had an effect and you know what people need to do? They need to suit up. It's time to suit up, ladies and gentlemen. We got too many people. They, they've been on, you know, when, when they went on lockdown, you know what they did? They went on vacation spiritually too. You know what they did? They took off their armor during that time. And I'm, I'm here today to tell you that wasn't the time to lay down. That wasn't time to take a Sabbath. Okay? No, that was, that was fighting time. A lot of people, instead of suiting up, they took off their armor, took a Sabbath, and let me tell you, it's had a devastating impact on churches all across America, and I'm calling on people to suit back up. That's what we've got to do. Verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. The evil day tells us there's going to be days where doing the right thing not only is harder, but it means it may end up causing harm to ourselves. I mean, folks, evil means, you know, that, that's things done to us. Doing right is going to put, it sometimes puts a target on you. But you know what? We got to do it anyway. The Christian life is meant to be lived in all cultures and during all seasons. It doesn't, we don't take a break. Some things should never change. For example, the things we've talked about in these chapters, these things don't change. Okay, I don't care where we are as far as feminism goes today. I don't care if we have a female vice president. Wives are still supposed to submit to their husbands. That's still, that's still Bible. Okay, all these things apply to the, all the things we do as Christians. When it comes to going to church, when it comes to soul winning, all the things, we're supposed to continue doing them even though we're in an evil day. And the day will come, and it has come in many places, 
where you have to go to church in secret. Sometimes you have to be a witness in a less public way. But if soul winning becomes illegal, ever becomes illegal in this country, you know, soul winning is still the right thing to do. We might change our approach a little bit. We might quit putting our contact information on our tracks that we pass out. We're still going to pass out tracks. I'll, I'll break that law so fast it won't even be funny. But at the same time, too, you know, if I'm going to go break those laws, I don't necessarily have to put my phone number, you know, on the information so where the police can, you know, on my address, so they can know where to come find me. You know, you just got to change up, you know, the battle plan a little bit. But when these evil days come, what are we supposed to do? Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So we've got to stand. What does that mean? We're in a fighting position. We're ready to move forward. We're ready to do battle. We're ready to hold our ground, whatever we've got to do. And if we're going to do that, we've got to make sure, one, the truth is on our side. We've got to have our loins girt about with truth. And you know what? Don't wait till the evil day to figure out what truth is. That's a problem a lot of people have. They wait until things get tough. And then on, uh, I need to go figure out what I'm supposed to do. No, we need to already know what to do. Okay? We need to already know what to do. Okay, what are we going to do, Pastor Tommy, when it becomes illegal to go soul winning? We're going to do it anyway. You know, what are we going to do when church becomes illegal? We're going to do it anyway. We just might have to do it quietly. We might have to do it undercover. We might have to do it underground. We might have to go back to tribulation protocol level two. I think that's how, where we got to at one point during all this. We never got to level three, but we might have to go to that one of these days. I don't even remember what all the protocols were. Thankfully, we're back to America right, for right now and don't have to worry about that stuff. But, the, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, the breastplate of righteousness is more than just being saved, but it's doing righteousness. Look, look what it says in Proverbs. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I have the breast, breastplate of righteousness. I'm saved. Um, then why did Paul tell them to put on the breastplate of righteousness? Okay, that, you don't have this just because you're saved. I like what it says here. It says, My son, verse 1, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. Notice how it says, bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. The laws of God are something that we're supposed to put on. We're supposed to practice them. We are supposed to do them. We are supposed to keep these things. That's how we protect ourselves. That's how we protect our vital areas. Listen, if you are in sin, you are wide open for the devil to take you out. You are wide open for the devil to hit you with one of your, his arrows and to finish you. So you know what? You need to put on that breastplate of righteousness. That means, you know what? I'm not going to do what the rest of the world is doing. I'm not going to do these sins. I'm going to obey God's law. Because if you don't, if you don't put on that breastplate of righteousness, meaning doing the right thing, then you're going to get hit by one of the devil's arrows. We see in Ephesians 6, 5, uh, then verse 15, it says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, the whole point of wearing armor and having a weapon is not just so you can protect yourself, okay, but so you can accomplish something. Okay, and we are supposed to be, as Christians, we're not just putting on armor so nobody can hurt us, so we can protect ourselves. No, we are to put on armor 
So while there's opposition and while there's evil and while there's fiery darts, we can continue moving forward. We continue advancing. We are supposed to be spreading the gospel. We are supposed to be spreading our faith. And a lot of Christians are just trying to do whatever they can to protect themselves. I just don't want to get hurt. Listen, in battle, you might get hurt. Just put on the armor. And let me tell you something. If you're in a battle and all you do is defense, eventually you're going to lose. Eventually, you're going to get wore down. You're going to get taken out. You're going to have to get in the fight. and You're going to have to go uh, do some damage yourself. We should always be advancing. Verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And let me tell you, we're never going to make all the darts go away, but we can quench them if we have faith. But a lot of people say, I just want these darts. I just want, the, I just want the shots to quit being fired. I just want people to stop coming after me. There's always going to be enemies out there. The devil's always going to be throwing darts. But you just got to always keep the faith. Keep that shield of faith and you'll quench them. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I believe the helmet of salvation is referring to assurance of salvation. You know, we don't want to let Satan get in our head and confuse us about salvation. And I believe a, a person confused about their salvation is going to have a very hard time helping other people get saved. And that's why we ought to learn more about the Bible, get in the Word more. I think that's why the Apostle Paul, the first three chapters, he's strengthening them on salvation. Why? Because they need that helmet of salvation so they can you know, have confidence and so they can be a help to more people. And the sword of the Spirit, obviously that's the Bible. It's our weapon. He said we don't, we don't fight false prophets you know, at, with police and government. You know what we fight them with? The truth of God's Word. I'm always greatly disturbed when preachers want to fight false prophets with the government. You know, I don't cheer when the government goes after false prophets. That's not their job. Are we so lame and pathetic that we need the police to take out our spiritual enemies? That's not what God called for. And let me tell you something. Since when has throwing people in jail hurt a message? It definitely didn't hurt the apostles' message, did it? It helped it spread. And let me tell you, you know what? I wish the police would have left guys like John MacArthur alone. I think they just gave him more credibility to a lot of people. You know, you had real churches where they were being pansies through that whole thing. You had John MacArthur actually standing strong and getting attention, and now more people want to listen to him. You know, they didn't hurt John MacArthur by going after him, but people were like, yeah, great, they're going after MacArthur. Let them shut him down. Really? Are, are we trying to help the guy? And, and do we really need them to do that? No, we don't. And I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous when people do that. That is absolutely wrong. I wish they'd have left him alone. If they would have left him alone, much less people would be paying attention to that guy. But at the end of the day, if the time comes where we need to fight the John MacArthur's, um, we got a better chance of doing it with the sword of the spirit than with guns and cops. So, you know, let's just actually, you know, prove his doctrine wrong. That's the way to go about these things. The Bible is our weapon, not the police. I'm not going to I'm not going to frame these people and call the cops on them, try to get them to shut them down. But Bible says verse 18, praying with all always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Because this is a spiritual battle, this is another reason we need to be praying. We've got to be consistent in our prayer life. 
and in praying for our brothers and sisters. And this is it's so. And, and again, you know why we don't pray enough? Because we're not thinking about the spiritual aspect of these things enough. We're mainly thinking about the physical. And if that's all you're thinking about, you're probably not going to pray like you're supposed to. Verse 19, he says, And also, and for me, that an utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul wanted the church praying for him, and he believed that his performance would be affected by their prayers. You know why? Because Paul's performance was not just based on his knowledge, his eloquence, or anything like that. It was a spiritual thing. And folks, you think, Pastor Tommy, I don't think your preaching's that good. Well, you know what? Why don't you start praying for me then for crying out loud? Okay? I mean, if you're, if, if you're so spiritual, let's just see if you've got enough spirituality to improve my preaching through your prayers. Paul thought prayer would help his preaching. And you know what? I think it would probably help mine too. And so maybe, you know what, that, you know, maybe all these people who go to churches with these crummy pastors, maybe it's because they're crummy people. You ever think about that? You know, we get the politicians that we deserve. Maybe you get the pastor that you deserve too. So, you know, think about that for a while, all right? You know, um, you know maybe God's using me to punish you for being so sorry. So, uh, just start praying for me a little bit. We'll see what happens, all right? You know, we'll see what happens. You might actually get some help. And you know what? At the end of the day, you know, when you, when you pray for somebody, okay, when you actually pray for somebody, it's just, it's hard to hate people. It's hard to have a problem with somebody that you're praying for. It's really hard to do that. And we would solve so many people problems just by praying for people. Actually do it. Not in precatory prayers. Okay. no. Regular prayers, supplications, okay? That, that's, that's what you'd be doing. Maybe that's the problem. Some of you preach precatory prayers, you know, but uh, uh, that's another subject for another day. But verse 21, and it, Paul's kind of now making some closing remarks, and he says, But ye may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that I might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. And I love the Apostle Paul. I love how he was always concerned about the spiritual condition, but also the emotional condition of the people. I want your hearts comforted. We constantly see Paul in his writings, you know, making reference and acknowledging the situation that they were in because he understood they had challenges. All these things that he was writing to him, he's not just giving them a list of rules because... You know, they need to be following these rules. You know, these were intended to help them. You know, and I love the love that we just see in the words of Paul to the churches that he wrote to. I think it's very important. And, you know, and I, I look at these things. And that, that's the way I want to feel about the people in my church. Because, and that's the way we should all feel about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And man, Paul had a deep love for these people. And you want to know why? I think, the, I think there's plenty of evidence on why. The reason I think Paul cared about these people so much, it was because of the work he had put into these people. And you know, when you work on something, you, you love it. You know, I mean, even, 
I mean, good night. Even a snowman, you know, you, you build a snowman, you put a lot of work into that. You just, you don't want somebody to just come and destroy it. I put a lot of work into that thing. And, you know, and it was probably 30, 40 minutes. But just the fact you put 30, 40 minutes, it, it gives you a little bit of care for that. And if anybody's going to destroy it, it's you, right? You know, but, you know, we would care a lot about each other if we worked for each other. If we were trying to help people, you would care deeply. But unfortunately, a lot of people, they come to church, just what can I get from everybody? That's your attitude. As soon as people start, you know, putting out for you, you're going to have a really bad attitude. But if you come to church, what can I do for others? And you actually start doing things for others. You're going to love these people. It's just, it's just the way it works. And, and so verse 23 says, Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So we need to understand our behavior in our daily lives matters more than we realize. Doing right and wrong, it's not just about us getting through the day or being successful, earthly speaking. But the things that we do or what we don't do as a Christian are about helping us make a positive impact spiritually. The world today is in a mess because we are in a spiritual mess. And the little things often have a much bigger impact than we realize because they matter spiritually. And and the spiritual is what makes the difference. And and I'm hoping, um, you know, over the next several weeks, I don't know how long I'll spend on it. I, I want us to really take a look at what the Bible says about this. And I do. I want us to get a, a picture in our head of this spiritual battle so we can start recognizing, re- recognizing spiritual attacks. Spiritual attacks that come on our church. Spiritual attacks that come on our family. Spiritual attacks that are coming from our government. That are coming from Hollywood. I don't think people realize just the devastating impact a lot of these things are having in a lot of areas. And because we're not recognizing the spiritual, we just keep looking at the flesh and blood. We're, we're just looking at the flesh and blood and going to battle with all the wrong things instead of the principalities and powers and all these things that we're talking about in Ephesians chapter 6. And so I kind of use this chapter to kind of kick off uh, a, a series, I guess you could say, on spiritual warfare. It's time to suit up, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, now, what image that puts in your head? Okay, some of y'all are so carnal. Uh, you know, picture soldiers putting on some camo and, you know, guns and grenades and all that kind of stuff. All right, for some of you younger ones, you comic book nerds and stuff, you know, picture the Avengers all suiting up and their Captain America shields and Thor hammers and, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, don't go that carnal. But, you know, hey, it's it's time to suit up. It's time to get in a spiritual battle. And it's time to put the whooping on the devil and on his demons. Uh, otherwise, you know, and, and we've got to just get out of this defense posture. No, it's time to stand. It's time to face off. It's time to advance. And you know what? We've got all the tools that we need. The armor's there, but you've got to put it on. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help and a blessing to everyone. And I, I pray, Lord, uh, over these next days uh, before we get into this series, that people will take the time to just kind of meditate uh, on the spiritual and to, th- and to uh, uh, just remember the things that the Bible tells us about the spiritual world and 
remember, Lord, that there's things that are around us that we can't see with our physical eyes, but the evidence is all over the place. And, Lord, there is a spiritual battle that is going on in our world, and the devil is fighting hard. And, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, everyone will... uh, I pray this message will just cause everyone to uh, get ready for action and to follow the command of putting on that whole armor. And I pray that we'll uh, make something happen and accomplish some good for your cause. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our final hymn, 502. Stand up for Jesus. 502. 502. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high the royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished. And Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey. Forth to the mighty conflict, keep this his glorious day. Ye that are men now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor's song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall reign. You're dismissed.